wasn't ready. I didn't have my microphone on. Sorry. And I've got tiny ears, so I've got to squish it. How's that? Good morning. Is there any place you would rather be than here right now? I mean, the lake will still be there later. You know, sun will be out. Um, you know, honestly, I'm surprised, actually, that Brother John let me preach again after last time. And so I thought we would just continue the theme today um, from last message. And we will just spend the next 30 minutes or so having lessons on being slain in the Spirit and doing cartwheels in the aisles. And Yeah? Uh, here? Okay. Uh, well, I, I, I really wasn't playing on that, but we could do that if we, you really wanted to. Oh, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to continue in our journey uh, through the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 31. Always a joy and a privilege uh, to stand in front of you and behind this pulpit. Thank you, Brother Bobby, for the water. You know, I can't think of a better water to put up here than pure life. You know, Nestle pure life. It is holy. Thank you, Bobby. So we're in chapter 9 and verses 28 through 36. I'd like to read it, um, read our text. First of all, in uh, the uh, version, the message, very contemporary version. Uh, because uh, it, it, it's, it's, I like it. And so uh, we'll read and we'll go back through and uh, point some things out. <clears throat> Verse 28 says, About eight days after saying this, he climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became binding, blinding white. At once, two men were with him, talking with him. They turned out to be Moses and Elijah. What a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. Sound familiar? When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking. While he was babbling on like this, a light radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone, and they were speechless. And they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. Let me ask you a question as we start this morning. Have you ever said something you wish you hadn't? Ever said something that you wish immediately you could take back, say it over, not say it? Um, Yeah, I'm sure we've, uh, maybe even husbands been there, done that this morning, maybe. I don't know. Uh, But I want to share with you a couple of of my 
um, less than great moments, um, if you will. Things that I wish I hadn't have said that, that uh, I could have taken back. Uh, believe it or not, uh, looks can be deceiving. I, I, I at once was an athlete. Okay? I was very athletic in high school, played every sport but football because the, you know, the, the physique, I, I couldn't, just couldn't take that beating. Uh, but uh, did play basketball, loved it. That was my sport. Um, excelled at it, loved it. Uh, but um, I remember one, uh, one game in particular uh, that was one of my not-so-finer moments. You see, uh, many of you remember Mr. Ed Sellers, um, just recently retired as the athletic director of Alonia. But when I was in high school, he was the high school principal. And we had, a, we had a very, very intimate relationship, if you know what I mean. I had been in his office a few times um, over the course of my tenure as a high schooler. Um, so, you know, we had a good relationship. Honestly, it was. But one basketball game, it was, I can't remember where it was, Mount Vernon, Enola, just, and, and in those days, um, those of you who played Jimmy, you'll remember this, you know, just like our old gym. Uh, it was the basketball court and nothing else. You know, like three feet beyond uh, the, the, the baseline was the wall. And in this case, um, it was a brick wall. Okay, so I remember going down for a wide open layup, but there was a guy behind me chasing me, and he caught up with me and gave me a little push at the end. Landed on my back, sliding toward the brick wall, made contact with the brick wall back of my head, sat there and, uh, you know, kind of leaned up and there was a pool of blood, uh, you know, just a, a great scene. So coaches and everybody came out to look at me and got me up, went back to the locker room, the dressing room, sitting there, you know, just, just hunched over, towel on my head to contain the bleeding and all that. And then Mr. Sellers walks in. Um, and, and honestly, we did have a good relationship. Uh, and so Mr. Sellers walks in, um, and, you know, I could see his feet, knew it was him. And he walks up to me, son, is there anything I can do for you? And those of you who know my humor, it's a bit sarcastic. Um, I said, well, yeah, you could untie my shoes. And then, you know, he leaned down, knelt down, and started untying my shoes. And about that time, I looked up and saw Mr. Sellers in the door. It was the principal of the other school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some things you wish you'd said differently or not at all. Um, got a lot of them uh, in, in, in our time in Peru, you know, because learning a new language is brutal, uh, just honestly. Uh, and so we have so many things that we have said, had said, that we wish we'd have said differently or right, you know. Uh, I remember one instance, we had uh, uh, a young mother, I don't know, her son was about eight or nine, uh, show up at her door in our home one day, and just mortified, she was bawling and crying, came in and needed to tell us the story. So, sat down, talked with her, you know, pastor, my son was sick, didn't know what to do, didn't have the money to take him to the hospital. So I went and, you know, went down the street and took him to the witch doctor. And, uh, you know, just unloaded on me, 
you know, just, and I feel so bad, and, you know, he, he put his hands on him and gave us incenses to take home and things to do and quote and recite and, and all that, uh, and, and I, was, I was mortified with her as well. Man, going down to the witch doctor. Uh, and so, you know, we gave, her the, we gave her the prescription, you know, you need to, man, you need to repent right away, you need to go through uh, your, your home and throw everything away. Uh, that, that he gave you, go through every room and pray over the rooms and, you know, and, 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 and really get, you know, get serious about this. So she left. Michelle and I got to thinking and kind of going back over the, the, the conversation. We see that the word for witch doctor in Spanish is curador, and the word for priest is cura. The word for witch doctor is C-U-A-R-D-O-R. The word for priest, you know, just the, the priest down the street is C-U-R-A. And the more we got to thinking about it, she actually said that she took her son to the priest instead of the witch doctor. You know, and I'm just going ballistic on her. Go through the house, throw everything away. We need to have an exorcism. And, you know, but she just, she just actually went to the Catholic priest instead of the witch doctor. Um, so things you wish you'd said differently or not at all. And so, poor Peter. Poor Peter. Um, you know, I, the reason you don't have an outline uh, in your bulletin today is because I, I honestly couldn't decide on a title. Um, th- this, this text, this event is so rich, and we literally could spend uh, a couple of months on everything that is in here. So, so you, you, you kind of got to take a, a certain perspective and look at, uh, look at it through one lens, one perspective. And I decided to look at it through Peter's or our perspective on Peter's perspective, actually. And this is why I couldn't find, you know, you, 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 uh, you Google the text and you'll find all kinds of titles for this, the transfiguration, the glory of Christ, uh, on the mountaintop with Jesus, you know. Um, but I couldn't really decide on anything. So what I decided to title it just wouldn't fit in the bulletin. You know, it was... So I, I landed on five things that Peter's mother never taught him that he sure wished she would have. Or she did, and he was too busy blabbering, and he didn't listen. Okay, so do I need to repeat? Those are actually taking notes. Do I need to repeat that? But... Uh, that's what I landed on, and so that's our perspective this morning. Five things that Peter's mother never taught him that he sure wished he would have. Or if she did, he was too busy blabbering that he didn't listen. So, where are we at? Let's, let's take a little bit uh, step backwards, look at our context. Um, a few weeks before this event, um, we have Peter uh, in all his glory... Uh, Jesus took the disciples aside and said, you know, in, in a little bit, um, they're going to do something very horrible to me, and I've got to go to the cross, and uh, I'm going to die. And Peter said, no way! And he was like, shut up, Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Well, yeah, Barbara, you got it. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, he, he just blurted something out, babbling. Uh, and then fast forward a little bit, we uh, pick up where we were last week. Uh, Jesus taking the disciples away again privately, talking with them. 
who does everyone say that I am? What was the response? Ah, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, remember? Some say, what, uh, an, an Old Testament figure, which most commentators agree that they were talking about Moses. Um, and then Jesus take it, takes it a step further. Remember, he said, now who do you say that I am? And this was one of the, the, the only moments where we see that Peter got it 100% right. And what did, what did Peter say? Anybody? Were you here last night, week? You were paying attention? No, don't you. You have an excuse. You weren't. <clears throat> you are the Christ. Peter says, you are the Christ. He got it right, finally. Good job, Peter. And so fast forward, and the text says, about a week later, about a week later, who do you say that I am? Who does the world say that I am? And we have God telling everyone who Jesus is. Um, and so, let's go back and, and look at, at what's transpiring here. So, you've got Jesus and, and Peter and James and John, uh, as they've done a time or two, coming apart. Not, not falling apart, but coming apart. Uh, and, and, and spending some time alone, praying and, and, and what happens? Let's, let's go back and take it uh, in verse 28, and we'll see the first thing that Peter's mom never taught him, but he wished he would have. So the first thing we see through Peter's eyes would be, Peter, don't sleep through your life. You'll miss out on many great things. Peter, don't sleep through your life or you'll miss out on many great things. Let's look at verse 28 again. Um, and, and literally, I would, I would encourage you to do this. Um, I've probably read through this passage 30 to 40 times this week, and something new pops out every time. It is so rich. So this week, read it 30 to 40 times. Just keep reading it and reading it and reading it, and you'll see something new uh, and awe-inspiring every time you read it. But look at verse 28. It says, Now, now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, uh, what sayings? Who does the world say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That conversation that they had. That he took Peter, John, and James, went up to the mountain to pray. As he prayed, look what happens. The appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. Behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And the word decease there... In verse 31, uh, so, uh, so they, they translated the Old Testament to Greek, and the Greek uh, word for decease here actually means exodus. It's the word in the Old Testament used for the word exodus. And so we've got Moses and Elijah and, and Jesus talking about his soon coming exodus or the, the literal translation is deliverance, his soon coming deliverance. So what do we have going here? Um, we have Moses, we have Elijah uh, talking with Jesus. What, you know, why, why did God pick Moses and Elijah? So if we, if we look at the life of Moses, um, he wrote what? 
first five books of the Bible. Uh, very um, technical word for those books are the, starts with a P, Pentateuch. I heard it somewhere. Good job. Good job. So the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, uh, they contain the law. Okay? They contain the law. And, and more than anything, the law is there to show us just how messed up we are. How much help that we need. Okay, so we've got Moses who represented the law. And then on the other hand, we have Elijah who was a what? Starts with a P again. He was a prophet. Okay, and what was the main job of a prophet? It's a two-way conversation here. To prophesy, okay, to, to tell something in the future. All right, so we've got Moses representing the law that shows us just how much help we need. And we have Elijah who represents the prophets who foretold of the help that's coming in Jesus. And so we have a conversation uh, between the law and the prophets and the one who fulfilled them both. The fly on the wall... I would have loved, and, and, you know, we don't have in any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the three that, that talk about the, the transfiguration, and we don't have any idea of what the conversation was. I would have loved uh, to have been there, you know, and, and Jesus in, in physical form, you know, saying, well, you know, what was it like, Moses? What was death like? You know, and, and turned to Elijah, well, I don't know, I didn't die. You know, because Elijah did not die. Uh, and, and there's a couple of interesting things about why God would pick Moses and Elijah. Uh, because, you know, Moses was, um, Moses died on a mountaintop. And in, in, in Exodus, the Bible says that God himself buried Moses. God buried Moses. And Elijah was so spiritual, uh, you know, that God, God said, you know what, you're, you're just too good for this world. I'm going to just take you home. So Elijah never tasted death, and God just took him home. Uh, so very interesting combination that we've got and a very interesting, I'm sure, conversation. Uh, Jesus talking about his soon deliverance with Moses and Elijah. And then can you just imagine the scene, and it's, and it's all just glowing, you know, the, the, you know Luke, Luke says that his, his, his appearance, his figure, everything changed, and it was just like a lighthouse beaming from that mountaintop. But, but, and, and you see in verse 32, the first word, but Peter. You, you've got this huge thing going on, this huge event passing, uh, transpiring, transpiring right before their closed and sleepy eyes. What in the world? Peter, James, and John, don't sleep through your life. You'll miss out on many great things. Uh, you know, I think of, you know, those of, those of us who, who have had children, um, you know, when we have the first one, nap time, we make sure it's really quiet, right? So the kid can, you know, get some good, good sleep during the day. Second one comes along. Well, how in the world are we going to keep it quiet when 
the newborn is napping, but the other one is running around, um, and th- then another comes along, and oh, whatever. But the, the newborn will always sleep through that noise, right? They get used to it. And so before we get, I don't know, before we get all out of whack on Peter for sleeping through this, uh, let me ask you a question. How many knew that a, a, a big storm came through Valonia uh, Friday night, late Friday night? Okay. I didn't. I slept right through it, as they say, like a baby. You know, so before, it, it, it's, it's possible to be so, so tired, I guess, something like this going on. Um, they spent so much time with Jesus, and uh, I guess there was a spiritual tiredness. I'm not sure. It had to have been something so overwhelmingly um, big to make them so tired to sleep through that. However... You know, I, I think at the same time, we got to fight that. we got to fight our way through that. You know, I think of like spiritual, here's a big word for you, lethargy. You know, sometimes we can be so busy that we get so tired that we can't see what's going on right in front of us. We can't see God working right in front of us. So we got to push through. we got to fight. So don't sleep through your life. Second thing would be, and I couldn't, I couldn't decide on the best one, so it would be something like, Peter, don't be quick to judge. Peter, you don't know everything. Peter, get the facts first. Um, Peter, think before you speak, but, but here's, I think, the best one. Peter, open your mind before you open your mouth. Peter, open your mind before you open your mouth. And so we've got, you know, we've got Jesus in all his glory there talking with, with Moses and Elijah whom God brought back for this particular moment in time. Uh, and, and we've got a huge thing going on. Peter's sleeping and all of a sudden, boom, they wake up. And can you imagine, you know, it's like, it's like falling asleep in a movie theater and you miss the best part. And then all of a sudden you wake up and everybody's laughing or, or crying or screaming or something. And, well, what, 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 what happened? What happened? And, and then, you know, the, the, the wife next to you gets frustrated because she has to explain everything to you that just happened that you missed because you were sleeping. That's not a real thing. But, but you get my point. And, and, and here we, we see Peter, same thing. You know, she's just deja vu all over again, but it's actually going to happen again in the future. He missed it. He missed it. And then all of a sudden, and, and, and the problem is, he just can't keep his mouth shut. Okay? And so instead of taking it in, seeing what's going on, surveying the landscape, and then maybe formulating his opinion, boom. It says in verse 33, and I like the way Luke uh, puts this in writing. He says, then it happened. <laughs> Peter was asleep. He woke up, and then it happened. It's almost like I can, I can kind of feel Luke. <sighs> there he goes again. And then it happened that as they were parting, Moses and Elijah, as they were parting from him, that Peter said. And so here he goes again. Peter's talking. You know, it's, this is what Luke is saying. Then it happened as they were departing from him, then Peter said 
to Jesus. You know, Luke is saying, there he goes again. So instead of opening his mind first, he opened his mouth first. It's, it's the classic example of shoot first and ask questions later. This is the, the uh, M.O. of Peter all the time. So the third thing that I think Peter's mom um, should have taught him is, Peter, sometimes it's better to be thought a fool, and you can finish this with me, than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Sometimes it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. You see, sometimes I think we can talk too much. Um, Brother Steve did a, did a great job in our Sunday school this morning um, talking about encouragement. And a lot of times, people need our encouragement. However, uh, we think, sometimes we think that we are, um, we are better encouragers than we actually are because sometimes we say too much. Sometimes presence alone uh, is more than any word that we can say. Um, but, but Peter does it again. Peter does it again. Uh, every time, it seems like most times, he opens his mouth, it, it's, it's automatically insert size 9. Uh, he, he just can't, you know, take a look at the situation, but he's always, and like I love the way the message puts it, he blurted out. He was babbling while he was babbling. And, and that's what Peter does, does all the time, babbling, babbling, blurting out. Have you ever been around someone like that? Uh, have you ever been in a difficult situation and they comforted you uh, with some spiritual answers that at the time didn't feel so spiritual? Um, you know, and we, we had a good example this morning, and I actually wrote it down. It's amazing, Steve, how you know, God works and, and puts everything together. Um, you know, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, please don't just throw out Romans 8.28. Someone's going through a hard time. Don't just automatically throw out, well, all things are going to work together. Okay? It must be a reason. God's got a purpose here. All, you know, sometimes it's just best to be quiet. And as Steve mentioned, just rub shoulders with them. Just sit there and be. And Peter didn't. That was, that was not in Peter's vocabulary at all. Silence was not a word that he understood, but he should have at times. Number four, Peter, when God speaks, pay close attention. Peter, when God speaks, you be quiet and pay close attention. Verse 34, um, we see... <clears throat> While he was saying this, and what was he saying? Let's back up and pick that up. Actually, uh, left that off. So, so what was Peter saying? You know, there he goes again. What did Peter say? Master, it's good for us to be here. Uh, let's, you know, let's make a memorial here. Let's set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And, and I love the way Luke puts, puts it, not knowing what he said. The end of verse 33 says, Peter said this not knowing what he was saying. You know, and so, then all of the sudden, while he was saying this, verse 34, Luke says, while he was babbling, while he was saying this, in mid-sentence, God interrupts in the form of a cloud, and we know that as the Shekinah glory of God 
it's, a, it's a visual display of, of God's holy, infinite glory in a cloud. And it says it enveloped them and they entered the cloud and they could see nothing but hear everything. They couldn't see anything. And then a voice came out of the cloud, verse 35, saying, This is my son. This is my beloved son. Peter, you're, you're babbling and you're looking at Moses and Elijah. You're looking at all the wrong things here. But this is my beloved son. Some say that he's Moses. Some say that he's not, just another, another prophet, Elijah. Um, who do you say? Well, here's who I say. He is. He's my beloved son. And this is one, one instance where the, the King James kind of leads out something, uh, a key phrase, the chosen. Uh, it's, it's in the Greek. God says, this is my beloved son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. Why? Why should we listen to him? Why should you listen to him, Peter? Because he's the chosen one. He is the one that I have chosen before the dawn of time. He's the one that I picked before we even started counting time on the hands uh, or with sands of time. He's the one that I chose to come in the form of a baby, live in the form of a man, die in the form of a Savior. He's the chosen one, the one I have chosen to demonstrate power over death in the grave through his resurrection, and he's the one that I've chosen to come again someday and get my own. Listen to him. Peter, pay attention. Pay attention. Stop babbling and pay attention because he's my son and he's my chosen one. And the last thing that Peter's mom should have said to him is, Peter, when you, and this is what happened, Peter, when you really get Jesus, okay, when you have a mountaintop experience with Jesus, when you really get Jesus, others won't get you. So think about that for just a second. When you really get Jesus, others won't get you. It says in verse 35, 36, sorry, when the voice had stopped, when the voice had ceased, when, when God himself quit speaking, Jesus was found alone. And boy, were they ready to listen. But what did they do? They kept quiet. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. I've never understood this, really, and, and, I, and I still don't know that I, that I do. We see constantly, over and over, Jesus performing incredible miracles, um, raising people from the dead, healing the sick, healing the blind, giving them sight again. And over and over again, what does he tell them? Anybody? Go live your life, but... Thank you, Matthew. Don't, don't tell anyone. Okay? Keep it quiet. Don't tell anyone. You know, and just like the, the demoniac, which we saw a uh, few weeks ago, he couldn't keep it to himself. Can we blame him, though? But over and over and over again, we see Jesus doing the miraculous, but saying, keep this one to yourself. 
Keep it quiet. Don't t- I, I, I've honestly never understood that. You know, because why wouldn't Jesus want everyone to tell everything about everything he had done? You know, that, that's what we are to do. We are to proclaim everything about the chosen one, God's son. And so why in those days did he constantly say, keep this one to yourself? You know, John, I, find, I found this very interesting in, in the study this time. The transfiguration, this event, occurs in Matthew, Mark, and Luke but not John. John was there with Peter and James, but yet he kept it to himself. So why? I never understood this till um, some of the times that we would come back from Peru. We would have a furlough and come back, and, and, and though well-meaning, and I know it, and I know there's genuine interest there, but, but people would ask, well, how's it going? How's the ministry? Um, and you know, we, we saw incredible things in Peru. We saw husbands who beat their wives come to Christ and change overnight. We saw demon-possessed teenagers give their lives to Christ and those demons left. We saw incredible things. But when we would come back and try to share those, you know, we, it... it the glass eyes would come out, and, and, and I, I started to understand it then, but more so now. Because when you really get Jesus, others just don't get you. Why? And, and, and here's, here's, all, here's, the, here's all I got. This is my, my only way to, to understand it. Our God is such a personal God. He wants to have such a personal intimate relationship with every one of you at the same time. He wanted that personal, deep, intimate relationship with a demoniac, the blind man, uh, you know, Jairus' daughter, with the woman at the well, with you individually, personally. So every time he comes and he shows up, be it in a, in a cloud of glory, be it in a quiet moment, It's as if he's saying, this one's for you. This one's for you. And he wants every one of us to experience the fullness of his love, the richness of his glory in our lives. However, he wants it to be personal. And that's exactly what he was saying, Jesus, every time he performed those out-of-this-world miracles that everyone should know about and that we do have recorded and we know about, but it's as if he was saying, Pete, this one's for you, buddy. Enjoy it. And let's let's get back together on this every once in a while. Tony, this one's for you. Dwayne, this one's for you. Personal. So let that soak in today. Our God is such a personal God. Um, and, and although his glory is there like it was for Peter and James and John, uh, for everyone around to see, but God himself reached down and said, Peter, James, John, this one's for you. This one's for you. And so when you have those experiences, don't get upset when others don't get it because it's not for them.
It's for you. So I'll just leave you with this this morning. You need to wake up. And just like Peter's mom probably maybe said this or should have said this to Peter. You need to wake up. You need to pray up. You need to listen up. And you need to look up. And then you'll be amazed. Let's pray. God, I'm just so grateful uh, for uh, this passage and this event uh, that, that, that literally, physically, it actually took place. Uh, and, and you gave Peter and James and John a, a glimpse of who you are and who you chose Jesus to be um, by having Moses and Elijah there all pointing to him, the law points to him, the prophets tell of his soon coming and, and his fulfilling the law, and, and you just set everything up to show that you have chosen him to be our everything. And God, we're just so grateful for that. Help us, Lord, to not sleep through life. Help us to, to get the full picture of what you're trying to do in our lives before we, we speak or act. Um, Lord, help us to be true encouragers and comforters of others and not just, not just spout off babbling, spiritual babbling, but, but truly be in tune with you and what you want to do in the lives of others. And Lord, help us to look up because you're all around us and you're working in and through us and for us. And help us to enjoy those personal miracles that you do in our lives because you want to be that personal God to us. And we love you for it. And just pray that you would be real in our lives this morning and accomplish that which you wish to accomplish in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you